Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number two. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about video game addiction, or as it might otherwise be known, is my child playing too much video games? It's a story that has been in the news quite regularly lately, and to be quite honest, it's a question that I get from parents on a regular basis as well, so I felt like it it would be valuable to address here right at the beginning of this series of podcasts. So, We'll jump right into the to the discussion. Yes, I do get that question quite often, and even some um, discussion with concerned parents about, I think my child plays too much video games. I'm concerned about how it impacts his schoolwork, his ac- involvement in other activities, physical health, and social relationships. How do I know if my child is playing too much? And if he, is, he or she is playing too much, what do I do about it? How do I manage that in my household because it can be quite difficult and many times parents experience some significant conflict if they begin to uh, limit the amount of video games that their child plays kind of after the fact. So a few discussions that we're going to have, we're going to talk about video game addiction, what it is and how to determine if your child is moving in that direction, setting limits Um, whether or not video games are a privilege or a right, self-regulation, parent engagement in the process, and viewing video games as maybe the most important valuable commodity in your house. So to begin, we'll be talking about video game addiction, what it is, and how to know if your child is heading in that direction. First off, this is a pretty relevant conversation for recent times because just in the near the end of 2018, the World Health Organization, or the WHO, um, did define and classify video gaming disorder as a disease, and it listed it in the International Classification of Diseases 11, the ICD-11. The ICD-11 is the manual or the book list of codes that healthcare workers use to classify different diseases, and that's how they communicate with one another. They say, oh, this person has this code, and that allows healthcare providers all over the world to know what that disorder or what that disease is. And so they've classified gaming disorder in that code, meaning it has much more legitimacy in the healthcare profession as something that can be treated by doctors or medical providers or mental health providers. So this is the definition that was given to gaming disorder by the World Health Organization. It is, gaming disorder is, a pattern of gaming behavior characterized by impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests and daily activities, and continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. So two real important things to consider as you look at that definition. Uh, First is impaired control over gaming, increasing priority. So one of the big things with addictions in general, and then particularly in this definition, is the idea that a child or or an adult would have... um, 
impaired control over one's ability to stop playing the video games, for instance. So um, if it feels like for you that you or your child is having a problem stopping playing video games, that they just crave more and more and more, that may be one of the first things to be looking for in regards to whether or not they have gaming disorder. Secondly, so there's impaired control, and then secondly, that it takes increasing priority over other activities. So that would be other activities like sports involvement, maybe they play an instrument, their involvement in school, dance, whatever it is that they've enjoyed to do in the past. If the gaming takes increased precedence over that in such a way that it causes negative consequences. That's the third really big important thing to realize here is it says that the continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences, you know, because a child might say, well, yeah, it takes precedence over my other activities. I like it more. I'm more interested in it. It's the thing I want to do more. Uh, What's wrong with that? Well, one of the ways to determine if it's a problem or not is if it causes negative consequences. And those negative consequences should be significant. That's one of the determinants of mental health disorders that are categorized in the Diagnostics and Statistics Manual 5, the DSM-5, that counselors and psychologists use to diagnose disorders. Uh, One of the main things that almost every one of those diagnoses has is that the problems presented um, cause significant impairment. And so if the amount of time spent playing a video game, if that impairment in control over over the amount of time spent causes significant impairment, then you're going to want to look at whether or not you, your child may need help in kind of overcoming that problem. So I already discussed that definition, and we also have some warning signs, some additional things that um, it really could be looking for. I think one of the biggest things that you're going to want to be aware of in your child and always paying attention to is how, how they're functioning in a wide variety of areas of their life. So how is the functioning in their personal life, friendships, social relationships and such, family life? How are they getting along with siblings? How are they getting along with you? Are they keeping up with their expectations of the family, the chores, the keeping the room clean, etc.? How about educationally? And I think this is the biggest one for many parents, is that when they see things starting to slide with their child in the educational realm, they really get concerned because they know how that can significantly impact their child in the future. So um, are their grades really starting to suffer because of the amount of time that they're spending playing video games? And then in the occupational world, if you're an adult and you're wondering if you may have video game addiction uh Is it impacting your functioning in your job or even if um, your child is a teenager and does it impact the way that they're working in their part-time job or something like that? And then third, the big, another big thing to be looking for is has the impairment been present for at least 12 months? That's one of the requirements. Can't just be, you know, this has been going on for a month or a couple of weeks. Really that impairment has to have been present for, for um, at least 12 months. So that's pretty significant. Um, some parents probably would be like, oh my goodness, that's a really long time. And it is. Um, so I think it's important for parents to look ahead, look for these warning signs and begin early in training their children how to use technology, how to use video games in a way that is appropriate, regulated, and can enhance life rather than 
uh, draw draw away from life. And so that's the thing that I really focus on when I'm talking with parents who bring these questions to me and bring these concerns to me about, is my child playing uh, too much video games? Really, it's about finding balance. And so that brings us to our discussion about setting limits, because I think it's really, really difficult for children to set limits for themselves when it comes to things like video games. And I would even argue that it's probably developmentally inappropriate, or they're meaning children just aren't ready developmentally to set limits for themselves when it comes to something like video games. Teenagers, if, if they've been taught how to set limits throughout the course of their lives, they probably are able to set those limits on their own a little bit more. But for younger children, they really need the help of the adults in their life to be able to set limits, whether it's in the area of video games, television, time with friends, food intake, exercise, activity like that, when to sleep, how much to read, all these different areas of life. For children, it really is helpful and important, crucial, that parents set limits for them, with them, because then they begin to integrate those limits into their own uh, way of living life. And that's how we Uh, learn to set limits by having them set for us when we are young. And so, particularly in this area of video games, setting limits is very, very important. And so, I often suggest, of course for parents who have younger children especially, to really begin early at setting the expectations and the limits that you're going to have in your house. And the language that I often use uh, with parents and even in my own home is just, well, this is what this is what we're going to do in our house. This is kind of the expectation. This is the rule of the house. Parents are going to follow that. Children are going to follow that. And so that really sets a firm, empathic, but clear line as to what the limits are. And so, you know, some parents have decided that, okay, we're only going to play video games or maybe even use screens on the weekends. And so their children grew up with that and know, have known from the very beginning that I get to play video games for a period of time on week weekends. And so don't even think about, uh, they don't even think about the option of doing it during the week because school's a priority. There's other activities that the child may be involved in. Other parents have decided, okay, we're going to give a short period of time that the child can play the video games each day after they've finished their homework Um, and other responsibilities. So maybe that's 30 minutes, maybe it's an hour on a given uh, school day before bed. Of course, the challenge there sometimes is uh, activities sometimes get over pretty late, and so then to get that video game time in at the end of the day can be hard, particularly when thinking about what bedtime is, because many studies show that it's important for screens to be shut off at least 30 minutes before bedtime, and I always recommend that, that Hey, shut the screens off 30 minutes before you want them to go to sleep, giving their brain some time to slow down, um, have time away from the blue light that's emitted by the screens that can cause uh, one to stay awake longer. And really that enables them to sleep uh, more thoroughly, fall asleep faster when it is necessary. So... Of course, you know, parents make the decision, are we going to do this, you know, a little bit during the week or are we going to only allow for weekends? In my in my family, we went the route of we're only playing video games on the weekends. And one of the things that I have found that I've really liked about that 
is that because the children know that it's not even an option to play video games during the week and we're only allowed to play on the weekends, then it doesn't even come up during the week. We don't talk about it. They don't think about it. It's it's like out of mind. And I think that really allow frees them up to concentrate on other things. They don't they're not anxious about whether or not they're going to get to play video games today because they know they are not. So that anxiety isn't there. They're not rushing around doing other things. It's a little bit of a, a slower pace. And I don't even have to answer the question then. And so the pressure isn't on me as well to decide whether or not they get to do it today or to hurry up and get the responsibilities done so that they have time to do it. Um, And I find inevitably with some parents that even if it is done on the daily basis for a limited time, even if it's 30 minutes, some games are designed to take longer than 30 minutes. And so if you're limiting, limiting it to that amount of time, then you're asking your child to shut the game off in the middle of their turn or their game or whatever, and that can cause conflict challenge and difficulty and really can increase that anxiety, like I said, um, in the course of a week. And so I found in my family that having it only on the weekends um, is something that's been pretty valuable. Second topic of discussion that I wanted to touch on was the fact that really screen time and video games particularly should be, in my opinion, are seen as a privilege for the child rather than a right. And it can get pretty difficult for parents when the child begins to see the video games as, this is my right. You can't take this away from me. It is something that I deserve that is just, you know, I get it and you can't do anything about that. And so I think, again, it's important to start pretty early in communicating that really uh, the parents own this device, whether it's a, you know, some sort of a tablet or a console or something like that and we're giving you the privilege to to uh, use it and play with it in our home and these are the parameters that we have set around this device and so yeah you're welcome to use it during these times and and when you use it in appropriate ways and in the ways that we uh, prescribe for you then you get to continue to use it it's a wonderful privilege that you um, are able to have in our home Now, again, that's something that has to start pretty early on, because if you um, have not done that with a teenager and then you try to start that with a teenager, it can be quite a challenge for you and the teenager to adjust to that. And so that's why I recommend setting those um, expectations and sort of having that perspective with your child right away from the beginning. Another concept that I think is important to think about is regulation. One of the biggest things and the most important concepts that children need to learn, uh, particularly young children as they grow up, is the ability to regulate. Uh, Sometimes it's hard for us as parents to help our children regulate because we have even a hard time regulating on our own. And when I say regulate, I mean, you know, being able to sit quietly, having, managing our emotions, um, remaining calm in conflict-ridden situations. And so sometimes parents um, tend to use, or even children tend to use, video games as a way to regulate themselves. And so, you know, maybe when we're in a waiting room or we're at a restaurant and there's nothing to do, we're waiting to get at our table, we might give our young child our phone or a tablet or something like that to occupy their time to keep them from bouncing off the walls. 
And really that seems pretty helpful and nice and keeps them from bothering the people around us. I think that the difficulty with that is they never learn, maybe, how to be in that situation, how to sit quietly in the waiting room of a restaurant, how to be at a table, dinner table, without uh, and have a conversation as opposed to having their eyes on a screen that's keeping them occupied in that sort of downtime. And so those things are pretty important to do because you have to be able to sit through class. You have to you have to be able to sit through some different things, pay attention to some, you know something outside of yourself as a way to learn and to grow and to be engaged in many of the things that we're asked to do in our culture. And so I often say to parents um, or, or encourage them to not use the tablet or video game as a regulation device because we want our children to be able to learn to regulate themselves. And we probably early on are going to really have to help them. If you have a two-year-old and you're waiting in the, in the waiting room of a restaurant or a doctor's office, you're going to have to help them regulate in that situation. And that means you're going to read them a book. You're going to uh, bring some figurines along and maybe play with them real quietly in that situation. Or you're going to do a puzzle with them. But you're going to be involved in that process. With a tablet or a phone, you're not involved in that process. So there's not a relational aspect to that regulation. And that's the, 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 the difference that I see. And so the thing that I stress with parents is having that relational regulation aspect that can be important for your child as they begin to learn how to do that. So the next thing, um, topic that I'd like to talk about is parent engagement in the process with the video games. And you know, one thing that I think many parents um, are concerned about with the amount of time that their children spend with video games um, is social interaction. And are they learning the social skills that they need in order to be successful if they're on video games um, quite a bit. Also, who are they playing these video games with, and is it safe? And that's really where I think, in both of those topics or those ideas, is where I think it's very, very important for the parent to be engaged. And so as you're interacting with your child in other situations outside the context of the video game, that's where they're learning social skills. They're learning to make eye contact. They're learning to listen to another person. They're learning to follow directions. They're learning to play, enjoy another person, understand what's happening inside of another person. And so your engagement in your child's life is so huge. So they could play lots of video games, but then also have lots of other time where you're engaged with them in board games or just sitting face-to-face and actively playing with them that could really be helpful in them learning that social engagement. And then the second piece is knowing who they're playing with. I know, you know, we're all fearful of our children running into a predator online and and thinking that they're playing with a 12-year-old friend in, you know, Tokyo, for instance, but really playing with a 40-year-old male um, down the street who then can... uh, entice them to do things that we would not want them to do. And so I just think that's where the parents knowing how to how to interact on the video games, um, having passwords and protection for those things, being engaged in the process, having the video games out in the open. Uh, this is not this is a limit that I didn't talk about as we were discussing earlier 
Um, but um, another thing that many parents do is they set a limit that, hey, we're not going to have video games in our rooms. We're not having TVs in our rooms. That's just kind of something that is established in the household culture. And so I think, you know, the principle there is that those things, things that are done on screens, whether it's computer, phone, video games, should be done in public places. And that allows engagement of the parent or other family members so that we're able to monitor at some level who the child is playing with, the conversations that are happening, the interactions that are occurring. And that enables us to be able to keep our children safe, to know who they're playing with, to help them make decisions about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, who they want to play with and who they don't want to play with. And that can be helpful in them learning that regulation about video games and how they want to do that. So we've talked about addiction, setting limits, uh, video games as a privilege, not a right, the importance of regulation and parent engagement. And then the last thing that I want to discuss is uh, really beginning to view and setting this up early, and um, as I think it is important with your children, video games as the most valuable commodity in your house. It is inc- They are incredibly valuable, a wonderful tool for parents to use. Now, the trick here is, as I said, is to set it up early and begin the process and the, ex- the uh, culture of this early. But I say this often to parents. I say, you can get your children to do anything as long as you have control over the video games. And, and, and it gets cha- more, more and more challenging with teenagers. But I say to parents, hold on to control of the video games for as long as possible. Gradually release control as your child gets older into those teenage years. But I can remember when my children were young, and they would want to play video games, and they were just kind of getting into it, and we we uh, were even more involved in than, than we are now. We're still very much involved in the regulation of it and when they can play it and all that sort of stuff because they're relatively young. Um, but they were even younger, and we were just introducing them to you know the first tablet that they had, which was a real small iPod Touch. And we used that as a wonderful tool, a wonderful commodity, to help our children learn that this is a privilege and something that when I'm done with my um, initial responsibilities, I have the opportunity to play with. So the funny story I like to tell is that, you know, my sons, they would want to play their video game on Friday evening as school's all done and they're allowed to play it on the weekends. And so they want to play. And so, okay. So I would say, okay, after this room is cleaned, then you can play the video games. And so they'd scurry around the living room, picking up all the toys, putting everything away. They'd have their they'd get their pajamas on. They'd be done with baths. They'd run down the stairs, and they'd go get the iPod Touch, and they'd start playing Minecraft on it. And so that's what I mean when I see video games, tablets, as the most valuable commodity in your house. Because you can teach responsibility, teach... Uh, resiliency, teach about the importance of managing the most important things and that, you know, certain things come after those important things by saying, okay, do this. When this is done, then you have the opportunity to play with that thing that you would like to play with or engage in that thing you would like to engage with. And I've just found that video games, tablets, whatever it might be, um, seem to carry a little extra weight or a little extra power than some of the other things 
that could also be used in that type of a context. So those are the things that I really wanted to cover in this episode two of the Connected Family Podcast. Kind of going away or walking away from this discussion, I I wanted to give you a few just sort of, here's what you should walk away with. The important thing is, um, if the amount of time that your child is spending on video games is causing significant impairment in other areas of their life, then you might want to think about, is my child playing video games more than what is healthy for them? Two, setting appropriate limits and setting, beginning to set those limits early. Three, making sure that you're not relying on the video game as a regulation device, that they're learning to regulate and they're learning to even be bored um, and be okay with that and manage that as they grow older and that the video games are not part of that. Three, being engaged as a parent. Engage in the process. Play with them. Enjoy the game with them. Um, Take a little bit of time and connect in relationship with them because if you can enjoy it together, then it's not a thing that separates you and you have the opportunity to model for your child how to regulate their use, how to set limits for themselves um, on the use of a screen or, or, or a video game. Well, I thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this is helpful information. Feel free to share this podcast all over and leave a review if you would. Um, it would be wonderful to have a whole bunch of people reviewing this, giving me feedback um, on what their thoughts are. And we could even continue the discussion if you go on over to the Connected Family Podcast Facebook group. I'll be posting some more information about each episode of the podcast in that group. Would love to have some continued discussion, so go on over there and check us out when you're finished. Have a great week. I will talk to you later. 